good. Who's ready to hear from a word from God today? That's not me, like through me, yeah? Who's ready to respond if they hear a word from God today? Because I actually don't get that excited when people tell me they heard from God. I get excited when they tell me that they went through those doors out in the car park, got in the car and put it into practice. Because God's Word don't work unless you work it. So here we are in week four. Now, if you're here for the first time, this series is called The Church Just Wants Your Money. It's a satirical title, okay? If you don't believe me, and I said this on week one, if you don't believe me, if you think that the church just wants your money and, and that's what we're gonna do over the next four weeks is just try to empty your pockets, then be here for four weeks and, and put us to the test because this is not, actually, money is not actually the goal. Getting everything out of the way that stops us making Jesus number one is the goal of this teaching series. Now, if you've missed it, either because you're here for the first time today or because you've been trekking around Southeast Asia, Neil and Vicky, then we have a podcast and we've now pushed it out onto multiple platforms. So even if you are an Android user, you can access our podcast. Uh, little uh, little uh, peek over the horizon, by the way, we're several weeks away from launching the Elevate app. And the Elevate app, one of the features it'll have is it'll have our podcasts baked into that. So you don't even need to be, you just have to have the app. It's gonna be free. It's gonna be awesome. Stay tuned. All right. I'm gonna to talk to you this morning like you're a room of investors, not a room of Jesus followers or, or just looking kind of people. I'm gonna talk with you this morning like you're a room full of investors. The reason I'm gonna talk with you this morning like you're a room full of investors is because every single one of you is an investor. And you might say, well, not me. I don't have any shares. I don't, I don't own any, any, any investment properties, so I'm not an investor. You know, we are all investors. Because here's the thing. When we go to a restaurant and, 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 and are ready to commit some money to the owners and the proprietors of that restaurant, we're actually going there with the idea of investing time and money into that experience in the hope that we'll get a return on that investment, a nice meal a great memory. When we go to the cinema, we hand over, how much are movie tickets? 10 bucks. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Everyone needs to talk to Liz. She knows where to get the cheap tickets. Um, I don't go to the cinema. I have no idea. But when we go to the cinema and hand over, uh, quote Baden Johnson, too much money. Um, that's the correct answer, by the way. We, we hand that money over, it's an investment in the hope that the next 90 minutes, two hours, whatever, is gonna bring us a return on our investment. That movie was great, we hope to say as we walk out of the cinema. And the same goes for concert tickets, the same goes for sporting events. We're all investors, we're investors of money and we're investors of time. And here's the thing, Ch the idea of church is, is to me, like if, if God wanted my advice, He doesn't. If God wanted my advice, I would say to Him, God, this idea that you had of, of, of a church, it's insanity, mate, insanity. Because here's what God thought was a great idea to see His kingdom advanced. Bring people in of all walks of life, of all ages, of all demographics, of all cultural backgrounds and tell them to love one another. Tell them to be united. It's like, it's the, it's the stupidest idea I think I've ever, ever heard anyone have. That's what I'd say to God. He don't want my advice, so I haven't ever said that to him. <laughs> but, 
One thing I think that we can all agree on is that good investments are better than bad investments. Who feels that way? Sure, all right, good. That's a core conviction. Now I talked last week about core convictions and last week I said that my number one core conviction and the thing that guides the way I spend my time, my money, my energy, is that Jesus needs to be number one. That Jesus didn't die on a cross to be in our top 10. He didn't die even to go as high as number two. Second spot is one spot too little that Jesus died to be number one, but we have to make that decision. And not just once, but every day in every way, surrender everything to Him so that He goes to number one and stays at number one. That's a core conviction of mine. And I challenged you last week to consider that to be a core conviction of yours. Here's another core conviction that I have and that I live by. And Louis and I live by this. The local church is the greatest investment we can make. I have that core conviction. It's a better investment than shares. It's a better investment than property. It's a better investment than anything else that we can invest our time and our money into. And hey, I know that you're not cynical Sally's, but if cynical Sally was here, snuck in somehow, host team, missed them, didn't tackle them, Cynical Sally might say, oh yeah, sure, Mark, well, you, you, you lead a church, so of course you're gonna say that it's the best investment. You know what? If anyone was ever to think that, I thought this before I led a church. I thought this when I started following Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you why. Let me, let me show you a couple of investment lessons that I've learned. Now, this is not an investment seminar and I'm not about to give you investment advice. Disclaimer, okay? Lawyers, Debbie, disclaimer. But a couple of investment principles that I've learned and that I utilize, let me share them with you. Number one is consider both people and product when you invest. Someone can have a great product, a great business idea, but if they're an absolute moron, then that business will most likely not flourish despite how strong the idea is. That the person leading, or the people leading, the management team, if you like, they matter. Back in 1994, a group of close friends and family and a, and a few angel investors invested in this then unknown Wall Street guy named Jeff Bezos. Now this is 1994, Jeff had an idea for an online bookstore he wanted to call Amazon. 1994, most people didn't even have an internet connection. If they did, it was the one that went right, and you went and made coffee, and you came back, and 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 it was nearly connected. This was the first iteration of Amazon.com back in 1994. If you ever build a website today that looks like that, I will find you, and I will kill you. But in 1994, this was on the bleeding edge of the internet revolution. But no one knew that. But they knew Jeff, his friends and family. They didn't know anything about online book selling. No one was doing it. But he had an idea. And they didn't necessarily even jibe with the idea, but they believed in him and they threw money at him. Well, that was 1994. Let me show you some recent sales data from Amazon.com. 10 years later, the company's net sales revenue had hit nearly seven Bs for the year. That's not bad. Startup company, 10 years later, your sales are seven Bs. Pretty good. 
I mean, one B would be nice, seven Bs. And then of course, last year, their net sales had grown to 107 Bs, one of the largest e-commerce platforms on the planet. Well, no one knew that this was gonna happen. Certainly not the people that invested in Amazon, but they didn't necessarily just invest in the idea, they invested in the person. Here's why I think the church is the best investment we can make. I'm gonna say what Jesus said. Now, Jesus was talking to Peter and not everyone at this point, even his closest followers had figured out who he was. They, they thought he was a good teacher, even a great teacher. They thought he could do some miracles and some healing and, 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 and people were pretty impressed when some of that stuff happened. But, he, but he, he looked Peter in the eye one day and he said, who do you say I am? And Peter, the light bulb went on and he said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And this is what Jesus said, throw that up, Riley J. In response to Peter having this revelation, I'll tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, not Peter rock, the second rock is about the revelation about the truth, about the fact that Peter had just crossed over to following Jesus because he was a rabbi, following Jesus because he was a leader, following Jesus because he was a great teacher, following Jesus because he was a great mentor, to getting this revelation to I'm now following the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus said, when people get that, that very revelation that I'm the Son of God, I will build my church on that, on people getting that revelation and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You know why I think the church is the greatest investment we can ever make? Because Jesus is even better than Jeff Bezos. That's not how you pronounce his name, just preached well. And anything that Jesus is building, his church, you like that? I'm gonna invest in. That's number one. Second investment principle that I use, this is not investment advice, Paul nodded, yes. is invest with a long arc perspective. We all like easy turnaround on our investment, it's called flipping. You watch the Nine Life channel, you see flipping out and flip or flop. And these people that buy these houses and they you know, flip them, do them up and flip them, and they complain when they only made $90,000 in three weeks. Oh, it's a bad deal, that one. Rich people's problems. There's, a, there, there, there's flipping, you know, there's a place for flipping, but a lot of investment, and if you've got superannuation, you'll typically, uh, your funds will be managed for you most of the time, and, and, and it's often done with a long arc perspective, not just investing for a short time, investing over years and sometimes decades. Has anyone heard of this company? See, you know that you've made it when you don't even have to have the name of your company on a screen and everyone goes, oh yeah, that's Microsoft. <laughs> Apple. Apple, what a stupid name for a company. Apple, I love them. Um, Apple was founded in 1976 by these two guys, the Steves. Steve Wozniak on the left, looking all hippie chic and uh, it'll come back one day, that look, and uh, Steve Jobs on the right, the more famous of the two, but they were the, the, the founders and they're famous for that. Who knew that? Is it, most people knew that, okay? Even the Koreans knew that, fair enough. God bless Samsung. Um, 
Did you know there was a third founder? See, these guys actually worked together at Atari. Atari at the time were leading the, the, the tech world, the gaming world, all the setting. They were, worked together at Atari. There was a third guy who worked with them. Uh, these guys were in their early 20s. And uh, there was a third guy. Let, let, let's put him up. This guy. He was in his 40s. And uh, the two Steves recognised that to get this company off the ground, they probably need a little bit of adult supervision. So what they did is they asked this guy. His name's Ron Wayne. They asked Ron, who was in his 40s, fellow uh, employee at Atari, they asked him to, to design their first logo, it's terrible, to uh, help them with a little bit of their early marketing. And in return, because they didn't have any, any, they hadn't been selling anything, so they couldn't pay him anything. What they did instead is they wrote up a contract that if he got on board uh, back then, right, in 1976, that, that they would give him 10% ownership in the company. Now, that contract was written, right? Here's 10% on the 1st of April, 1976. Not an April Fool's joke. They literally wrote him 10% of the company. 12 days later, Ron Wayne decided he didn't wanna go down this path anymore. 12 days later. And on the 12th day, he sold the Steves back his 10% share in the company for 800 US dollars. Now, exactly, he might've thought, wow, I put no money down and in 12 days, I got 800 US dollars. Oh, wait till I tell my wife, she's gonna love me. If Ron Wayne had kept his 10% stake in the company that he got for free and didn't sell it back 12 days later for 800 US dollars, his Apple portfolio today would be valued at US 35 Bs, billion dollars. But who wants to wait that long when you can turn around in 12 days and get 800 bucks? I mean, come on, 1976 to 2016, that, that nah. So now he lives in a trailer park in Arizona and he sells stamps on the line. Jesus gave us this advice when it comes to taking a long arc perspective in terms of how we invest our money. He said very, very point blank, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, exclamation mark, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? Rhetorical question. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. The local church is the best long arc investment that I know of because it actually has an eternal return on our investment. I want to introduce you to a church called New Spring Church. A couple of you guys know who they are, I understand, but many of you may not. A church called New Spring Church. New Spring Church was founded by this gentleman, Perry Noble, uh, about 12 years ago in Anderson, South Carolina. Anyone heard of Anderson being there? When they launched it, you know Starbucks is kind of like everywhere in the US, right? Th th this town was so small, they didn't even have a Starbucks. That's when you know that your town isn't like a little drive-through town, not drive-through coffee, just drive-through to somewhere where there is a Starbucks. They launched the church 12 years ago, called it New Spring Church. And they had a few people, 
and they launched, but they had a few people and they had a large vision. In 2013, New Spring Church was the second fastest growing church in the US. And uh, this year, uh, which is 12 years after they launched the church, they now have 32,000 people attending actual bums in seats every weekend across 11 locations just in the state of South Carolina. God's doing something amazing. It's literally a modern day revival. And we actually adapted this teaching series from this church. And in preparation for this, I I watched uh, a video interview that Perry Noble did with two couples who got on and, and got in and bought into the vision of New Spring Church back over a decade ago. And uh, when they were only a few people, a small church with a large vision. And uh, just recently, Perry got these two couples in a room. And uh, you see, what, see for yourself how that went down. you cry. I'm totally not going to make you cry. Go ahead. Come on. You got to. This is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. I promise. Just keep going. Just keep going. Come on, Beth. No, this is so not funny. Oh. We're going to have a conversation. It's going to be oh, awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, couple to couple. <laughs> what I'm doing right now is I'm collecting stories. I want to know your stories about how you started coming to New Spring. So, so Brian and Carrie, we'll start with y'all. What year? Um, I would say 2004 mm-hmm. was the year uh, we got invited by a friend. We were just married, and I didn't grow up in church, and I was a little hesitant, but first week I loved it. That's awesome. Paul, how did you and Beth start coming to New Spring? We got invited, so we came. It was in August of 2001. I saw this bald-headed man come out that was shaving his head. I did have a bald head, didn't I? Completely shaved head. I thought, well, this is really cool. No, you used zero notes. You spoke out of the Bible. And we thought, this is really cool for the kids. And so then we got in the car, and the kids were looking and saying, what are my parents going to think about this? And we said, we thought that was really awesome. Beth, what was your impression the first time that, that you came? The one thing that stuck out to me, Perry, was the friendliness. And it was so real. And I can remember saying to Paul, I think they really love us. This is awesome. I want to go back here. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. Uh, what, was the, um, what was the thing that stuck out to you the most that you said, this is why we're going to be here? The messages were super relevant to our life. Um, it's ultimately where the Lord wanted to save me. I mean, I experienced salvation at New Spring Church. So... Um, I'm sure both, both of our, all four of y'all, both couples, remember this thing that we did in 2004 called Dare to Move. Um, it was our very first capital campaign we, we ever did. Um, just, I'm just curious as to what, when I say Dare You to Move, what pops in your memory? I 
think of when you set goals, they're always so monstrous. And then once that goal is met and exceeded, we're all looking at each other saying, why didn't we pray bigger? Right. Yeah, because we were we were trying to raise money to buy 36 acres, and we were going to build a 2,500-seat auditorium, and that was that was unheard of. Paul, what do you remember about it? I remember the um, casting a huge vision. This is where God's leading us, and this is where we're going to go. And, I mean, come, come get on board because we're going to do church in a way no one's ever done it before. Carrie, what do you and Brian remember about Dare You to Move specifically? Other than the song. Dare you to move the switch for the song? Yeah. I mean, if I could sing so it, I'd yeah. sing it for you, but dare you to move just the words. It's like taking Jesus with what he says and he promises you in the Bible, like, you obey me and I'll show you great things. And it, it's true, that happened. We were building one campus. We had, I mean, what's the biggest, I mean, what's the most people you ever thought we would reach? I can't imagine that we maybe 5,000 people. I think that would have been huge if we thought we could fill this thing up twice. Mm. You guys, both of you couples, have a, have a real unique story in that you contributed to the very first capital campaign we ever did. I mean, I know both both couples that you, you guys gave a significant offering and really invested in um, the church. What was it um, about Dare You To Move that said, we're gonna get involved financially in this and make a commitment. What, what was it about that? Hey, I think of other investments that people discuss and everything seems to just fade away. But the one thing we can invest in uh, in the kingdom, there's no way to lose that investment. That's so good. It's the only safe investment. What about you guys? I mean, y'all are young newlyweds, no kids. I mean, just had a lot of better things to do with your money, but what was it? Investing in our family um, and our future family really see the benefit of that now, having kids and kids spring, um, and just, I mean, I wish I could have grown up like our two girls are growing up. I was just thinking, as Brian said that, I bet the amount he gave, and I don't know what it was, but he would give that today Absolutely. to see his girls come to Jesus. Mm. And I've got that for my kids or grandkids, or think of all the other people. Think of all the other people. You know, Paul, that's real unique. Um, think of all the other people, because when we gave, um, we thought we were given to Anderson Campus, but we weren't given to Anderson Campus because God's plans are always bigger. He always wants more. We were given to Anderson Campus to set up a foundation so we could have a Greenville Campus and a Florence Campus and a Charleston Campus and a Columbia Campus and a Spartanburg Campus and all, all these campuses all over the state, and none of us had any idea. And so the reason I, I called y'all here tonight, honestly, is just to thank y'all for in 2004, investing and being willing to make that happen. But me telling you thank you, it would be okay. But I want you to hear from people's lives who you specifically impacted when you gave to Dare You To Move, that their lives were changed because you invested in the kingdom.
has made a commitment. We thought it was going to impact a few people, but it wound up impacting way more people than we ever imagined. And some of them um, tonight just want to share their story with you. Hi. Hi. My name's Tim Brooks. Um, first, I want to thank you guys for the way you give, for your commitment to giving, because uh, it's made possible a church like New Spring, where no perfect people like me uh, can worship. I've been a worship pastor in a Baptist church most of my life. Then in 2009, that came dramatically and publicly to an end when it was revealed that I had a secret sin, a secret sexual sin. When that was revealed, my wife of 30 years and two college-age kids were absolutely devastated. They had no idea. They were hurt beyond belief, embarrassed, confused, even angry. My life, as I knew it, came to a screeching halt. I call it my life crash. Well, I went into a rehab program, and I was gone for six months. And uh, when I came back home, the question was asked on a Saturday, where are we going to church? Well, I knew there was nowhere I could go to church. Uh, no church would want me. No church would welcome me. My wife said uh, to my daughter, said, tell him where we've been going to church. My daughter said, no, you tell him. My wife said, no, you tell him. Finally, my daughter said, we've been going to New Spring. Well, having been in a local church, I was one of these ministers that did not like New Spring, didn't like Perry. But I was certainly no place to barter over where we're going to church. So I said, well, New Spring it is. So we came the next day. First time I'd ever been in the building. First time I'd ever seen Perry. And during that service, I heard him refer to his own past struggle with internet pornography, which was my problem. As I sat there, tears running down my cheeks, I thought, wow, am I in the right place or what? I knew I was in a place where I could be encouraged, uh, where I could be ministered to and where I could heal, and man, was I right. Um, this journey has been absolutely incredible. And here we are five years later, my marriage is healed. My relationship with my children is healed. Uh, me and my wife, uh, are able to serve in the care room here on Sundays and encourage individuals with our story and even encourage other couples who are struggling in, in their marriage. At a time in my life when I didn't feel like there was any place that I could worship, any place that I could serve, I'm in a church that allows me to use my story to encourage other people. I'm in a church that um, has given new meaning to my life, uh, given me hope, and has just revolutionized my family's life. So I want to tell you again how much I appreciate your obedience to Jesus and the way that you give because it's made it possible for me to find a new life. Thank you very much. Hi. My name is Karina. Before coming into spring, I felt, you know, as long as I prayed and tried to do the right, live right, I didn't really leave the local church, so I didn't come. One day, my daughter was invited to Fuse, and she in turn invited my twin boys. After coming to Fuse for a while in New Spring, all three of my teenagers had accepted Christ into their lives. Um, after doing that, they actually started taking my youngest, who was six at the time, bringing her to Kid Spring. They, the changes in their lives, I can't even, it's hard to explain how incredible it was. They began coming, setting up for Kids Spring. They would actually get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to come set up. Um, they actually got up better for, for that than they did for school during the week. 
they had asked me several times to join them, and I would always just tell them, maybe next time, not this week. Um, but it was one day I was dropping my youngest off to Kid Spring. On my way back to the parking lot, God had spoke to me, and he told me to come back, and I did. I have started volunteering at Kid Spring and check-in. I have also accepted Christ into my life, and the changes for myself and my family are phenomenal. I don't have to worry about my kids. I know they have a foundation, as well as myself, that when we have troubles, we know who to go to. And just through your generosity of giving, led me back to where I needed to be, which is to my father's. And I definitely thank you on behalf of my whole family. Thank you. Hey guys, my name is Nick Mooney and Jesus changed my life at New Spring because people at Greenville Fuse spoke to my potential and invested their lives into me. In high school, there was nobody in the small youth group at our old church who could really show me what following Jesus was all about. And I needed that guidance because I thought I was the man and I tried real hard to be. I played basketball and baseball. I was on student government. I recognized that there were gifts and traits and qualities about myself that gave me influence with other people. But I was exploiting these gifts for myself to get girls and more popularity. But in the fall of 2009, I met the Greenville Fuse pastor. He saw potential in my life and my entire sophomore year. He pursued me and invited me to come to Fuse, but I never went. Uh, so by the time the summer rolled around, he was begging me to go to the gauntlet. Um, and I kept saying no. Uh, but literally on the last day of signups, I gave in and decided I would go. But what was really cool about my gauntlet story um, is that someone in the church generously gave to fund the next student that signed up, and that just so happened to be me. Uh, I grew more in my relationship with the Lord in just that one week than I had my whole entire life. Um, so coming out of that week, I knew that my next steps were to start going to Fuse every week, join a Fuse group, and several of my friends that I had been inviting to come to Fuse ended up meeting the Lord as a result. Um, so as I grew in my relationship with the Lord, I felt called to pour out all that was being poured into me. So as a senior in high school, I uh, began to serve in Kids Spring on Sundays, and I got the opportunity to start leading a small group at Greenville Fuse. Uh, now I'm 20 years old, I'm a student at Clemson, and I'm still leading a small group of 10th grade guys. Um, because of, of your investment into this church, um, it's made a huge difference in my life, and I feel called into full-time ministry now. So thank you guys. Thank you. Hi, my name is Adam, and this is my wife, Amanda. Last year we had separated, and we were fighting every day and um, blaming each other for everything, and we decided to call it quits after nine years. Um, when I moved out, I started trafficking marijuana from Colorado to Georgia, and then eventually from California. 20 pounds every three-day trip, and um, no matter how much money I made, it just wasn't enough. And it all came crashing down when I was arrested. There was a New Spring campus that came to Greenwood, and I was bailed out of jail from the money of a stranger, and my wife showed up and uh, decided to repair a marriage 
and wanted us to go to church. And um, we started coming to church, and I just went to keep her at first. But it was the second week that I heard that no one is too far from God. And um, since then, we started living holy ever after and uh, with Jesus at the center and joined a small group because we can't do life alone. And uh, I joined Fuse um, to start making a difference in students' lives so they wouldn't grow up like me. And my wife started serving in Kids Spring um, to start relationships with children and Jesus at an early age. Um, I accepted Christ at New Spring and because of your giving, I was able to hear the great news of Jesus and be rescued by the grace of God. And court is still open, and I, if I go to prison or whatever God's plan is, um, I know my wife and I can overcome this. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. In 2004, we had no idea. And what's even more amazing is we still have no idea. One of the things we always say around here, guys, is every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. And tonight, you got a small picture of what a small investment in our church in 2004 has made a huge impact because every number really does have a name, and every name really does have a story, and every one of those stories really do matter to God. So thank you so much for giving the way you did. Best is yet to come. So, that's why I believe that the local church is the best investment on the planet. And I'm gonna invite you today, like those two couples, to take your seat at the table and, uh, and give. Louis and I give for three reasons. It's real simple. We give first to honor God. That's why we take our seat at the table. We give thirdly so that God will get involved in our financial world because there is a principle called sowing and reaping. That's the third reason we take our seat at the table. The second reason and it's way, way, way ahead of our third reason. We take our seat at the table and invest in God's kingdom so that other people will come to take their seat at the table in relationship with Jesus. If I had to choose between investing in a share portfolio or investing in somebody who's currently going to hell, meeting Jesus so they can have eternal life with Him, those investment choices, it's a no-brainer. 
You can do both. And that's what I'm saying is we give thirdly so that God will get involved in our financial world, but it's a distant third. So I'm gonna invite you, every single one of you today, unapologetically to take your place at the table. I know some of you have, I get that and well done and keep going. But I know some of you haven't and I will steal the words from New Spring Church and I'll dare you to move today. I'll dare you to trust God today. To put Him number one and give and to put others who aren't yet sitting at the table, number two.